0: My next guest, entrepreneur and now film producer, Adam Fried. How you doing, brother?
1: Yes, that is me. Hello, Dan.
0: Where are you today? Because you reside now in Germany. Uh, where are you this morning?
1: You know, sometimes I wake up, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> so in the past, in the past month, I mean, I'm in Chicago right now and I have a big event tonight. We're showing the walk. Um, last month I was in, uh, New York for the Soho International Film Festival. Um, you know, great event. And next week I'm going to Santa Barbara for the Santa Barbara Jewish Film Festival. Uh, so yeah, lots, lots going on. It's very exciting. And I never thought I would be in, in this position. Yeah, man. I mean, so first, I mean, a little bit about your
0: backstory. How does a kid from the North shore of Chicago end up in Germany? I'm still trying to figure
1: that out. <laughs> so, so We all are. So... Yeah, you know, I look, all my friends never thought I would obviously end up or stay in Germany. Um, long story short, I met a German woman, we got married, and we decided to have a child. And I ended up, you know, going back to Germany with her to have our child there. And that's how I found myself, you know, living in Germany. And um, I, I never thought I was going to get into filmmaking or anything like that. But, you know, here I am. and And the timing of this is um, interesting, um, I'm, you know, I'm, but I'm stepping up to do what I can. So you've
0: been in Germany for a while. Uh, what's your favorite part of Germany?
1: You know, it's funny because people ask me what my favorite thing of Germany is. And I tell them Austria because <laughs> I love going to Austria. It's only a couple hours away and I love the mountains. Yeah, so I love going there. And, you know, uh, this is how, this is how like fanatical i become about this on my birthday 2 years ago i was going down to austria and i knew i knew of this major subcamp there and it was called Eben, it's a sub it's a it's a it was like literally a, one of these camps sure. in, in a town called ebensee no one in the us knows about it and it was this massive mountain range that the the nazis had prison 26,000 prisoners dig out the inside of this mountain for literally miles of tunnels. And I have a great, um, in my presentation, I do a really nice discovery of what I found there. And it's pretty fascinating. But again, this is one of those stories. So there were 26,000 prisoners who went through, Mm -hmm. over 8,000 of them died. Over 8,000 of them died. And one of the biggest, one of the most strikingly odd things On the camp grounds where it was, there's a memorial, but there's also 120 single-family homes. You're kidding me. And that's one of those things. And I asked asked the curator of the the whole memorial, and there's a little Mm -hmm. museum in the town. I said, how could they build homes there? And his answer was, out of the ashes, they wanted to create you know life and something new. Mm-hmm. That was his answer. Yeah, that's a that's uh I believe him, but I also sure. as a as a new filmmaker I'd also love to go knock on those people's doors and ask them what it's do like you know, to live there. Yeah. You Didn't you did you tell me when you Oh, trust me, they they all know what happened there. You can Absolutely. Miss do. It, yeah. You know. Can you
0: tell yeah. me on your walks you went to a memorial and you saw uh, your family's name, right, or something like that?
1: Yeah. Yo, this is this is the camp that I'm talking about, and I'll, again, I'll send you. I'll send you the. I have a yeah. short video for this. Yeah. But they they created what's called the Wall of Names, mm-hmm. and it's these glass panels that go on for. I'm not kidding you, 200 yards almost. No, a good almost a hundred yards, and one of the panels. You know, my last name is Freed. Right. And in doing my research for all this, I found out my name was shortened from Friedman to Freed. So on this one panel that I'm gonna show you, check out all these names. This is a list of, you know, it's a whole panel of Freeds and Freedmans. And when I saw that the first time, like the hair on my neck stood up. Yeah, these are your relatives. It was Right, exactly, it was crazy. So, you know, their thing was putting a name to what happened, you know, that's what they wanted to do. And they do, like I said, they do a very good job of it. like i said the the 120 people who live in the neighborhood that's literally on the outline of of the camp i'm it's just creepy. like it's very creepy
0: yeah so take a step back you know your your history is is an entrepreneur right you you you've built a couple successful businesses um how does a guy who's you know never done anything related to film all of a sudden fall into making short films
1: yeah so you know, yeah, you, you know me well. I started out as an entrepreneur. I had a, a business in the printing industry mm-hmm. for about 17 years. And then, yeah, after I got married, moved to Germany. And two things. One, I had to find something else to do. I wanted to find something else to do. And I realized, based on the the history of what, what happened there and what I dis- would discover every day, I said, I need, you know, I grew up Jewish. Right. And moving, moving there... You see things every day that, you know, every day I'm reminded of the Holocaust. Right. You know, and it's not a good thing, not a, I mean, it's it's not a good thing, but I've I had to learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. So the stories that I uncovered, you know, in living there, I realized most people in the US don't know. I'm walking down the street and my wife at the time says, Oh, look at that building right there. That was a concentration camp. And literally it's like a five-flat apartment building. And I said, there's no way. And I started doing research Mm -hmm. and that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of getting one super passionate about, you know, finding out more about this stuff. And at the same time, it's, it's a little bit maddening because once you start going down the rabbit hole, you keep going and you keep going. So the Coliseum, there was this building called, it's called the Coliseum and it was Mm -hmm. what's called a sub camp. Again, I grew up Jewish. I never knew about these things. So during the war, they had five hundred prisoners there, jammed on, on one of those floors. And by the way, I'll send you some images so you can maybe incorporate. Yeah, we'll them put them in. in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so um, this building, the Colosseum, it for only like two months during the war. Towards the end of the war, it was used as a concentration camp, a little sub camp. And I said, wait, where did these prisoners come from? What you know, what were they doing? So after the Allies bombed the train station in my town of regensburg um they brought prisoners from a, a work camp called flossenburg and flossenburg is located about an hour away from me so i had to go there and check out that camp so it's it's as you go down this rabbit hole it's let me say it um it's one it's it's there's so much information out there and again, no one in the U.S. knows about most of this stuff. So that's what that's what started my passion for wanting to make these these films. Yeah, the, the,
0: these are stories that need to be told. Um, and you're right. The, the sub camps, as I understand them, they were sort of you know, unfortunately, the the, the camps that everybody kind of knows about, the headliners are um, you know, kind of death camps, right? Their their last leg and 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 they're
1: Auschwitz. They're, they're gonna, yeah,
0: yeah ho- ho- horrible things. The subcamps are a little bit more manufacturing, right? To support the war, that they put them to work, build things and, and, and whatnot. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. So you ask ninety nine point nine percent of the people in the U.S. and also around the world, name right. a concentration camp. They're going to say Auschwitz. Auschwitz yep. Maybe Dachau. Right. They're not. They have. No one knows about the Colosseum or Ebensee or Obertraubling or yeah. Donau. These are all camps that I I discovered in living there. Mm-hmm. and and yeah the 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 work camps what i found was you know almost almost worse than auschwitz because the you know the Nazi, the, the ss basically had a criminal organization mm-hmm. and they would loan out these prisoners to companies such as bmw mercedes um every little business you know every small and large business in germany would loan out people, and even in, in Regensburg, where I live now, there was a, a factory, a Messerschmitt factory, started by Willy Messerschmitt, and they made fighter airplanes. So in this little town of Regensburg, they had a, a huge facility, and they made 12,000 planes during the war, and when the Allies could finally reach that area of Germany in southeastern you know, Germany, Bavaria, um, they bombed it. It wasn't even that successful. It stopped production for a few months, maybe, and... And yeah, and that's why the prisoners were were brought there.
0: Amazing. And you walk by it every day, and there's probably a Starbucks nearby, and and no one knows this history. It's 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 atrocious.
1: Look, I, you know, my daughter and I play in this cement little playground. Not yeah. even a play. It's it's a cement memorial, and people yeah. gather there, and little kids run around, and it's where the the synagogue was was burned down in the uh, destroyed in the fifteen hundreds. And all the Jewish people in the city were kicked out, banished from the city because of a change in politics. And as my daughter and I are sitting there eating ice cream or drinking hot chocolate, I look around and I think, do these people know exactly where they're sitting? You know, it's it's completely hollowed ground. Yeah. And, and yeah, as I walk around Germany, look, the German government has done amazing things. Just last week, you know, with the events that have happened in Israel, mm-hmm. there's a a very powerful picture of... I saw it, yeah. Mermaid. Yeah, lit up with, you know, the colors and flag of Israel. That was very cool. 80, 80 to 100 years ago? Do you think, you know, did those, could those people have ever imagined that? So no. I am, you know, I'm thankful for the, you know, the German government. They would never want, you know, anything to happen to another Jewish person on their soil. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, as, as, you know, an American... Jewish man living there, it's, yeah, there's some, some days it's, it's very difficult. You know, I walk around and I'm like, you know, every little town I go to has some sort of remembrance, memorial to what happened to the war. And, um, yeah, I kind of had to reconcile that in order to live there and making these films really yeah. helps that.
0: It, it, you know, I've known you a long time. I never knew you to be a religious guy. Have you reconnected with your faith in this process or...
1: Interesting question. When I, you know, so I've lived in Germany about five years now. When I moved there, I really didn't care about being Jewish. But yeah. Seeing, it's, it's look, we all grew up learning about the Holocaust. When you live there, it's completely different. You know, like I said, the German government's done a great job of, of, you know, remembering things, mm-hmm. but a lot of that's for, you know, tourists. Who come there to see these things? When you live there every day, it's it's again, it's a constant reminder. So I walk out my front door. Ten feet from my front door, there's three what's called Stoppelsteine. Mm-hmm. and they're these little brass yeah plaques. Those little plaques, yeah. I'll send you a I'll send you a picture. They're <laughs> these little brass plaques that tell you know a Jewish person used to live in this building and they were born on this day. Uh, They were deported on this date and the camp that they were deported to and killed. So in my city, there's almost 250 of these spread all around. So I walked down um, Ludwigstrasse, and not only are there a bunch of Stoppelsteiners there, it was also the street where a lot of Jewish businesses were. So in 1938, um, my favorite Italian deli that I go into was, you know, it was a Jewish business and it was it was destroyed. Um, You keep walking and there was a huge department store owned by a Jewish man and then um, taken over by the Nazis or Aryanized and then, you know, given to a German national for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Um, And that and that company is still going today. That so, is so,
0: so this, this started to eat at you and this was a story that you needed to be told. Let's take a step back. Wait, wait, sorry, no.
1: Uh, sorry, I, let me answer the, the faith thing. Cause I completely got off track. Yeah. There. Yeah, go, go, go so, for it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, ADD kicked in you know,
1: <laughs> when, when I, when I moved to Germany, like almost five years ago, um, I didn't care about being Jewish, you know, but right. when you grow up learning about the Holocaust, when you live there, it's completely different. So I saw what, you know, the Jewish people, you know, anti-Semitism, as we know, didn't start in the 1930s. It goes back to the beginning of time. Sure. So after doing my research and finding out all the things I found out, I mean, there was a a rabbinical school Mm -hmm. in my town in the 1200s. So Jewish people were there thriving. And so after seeing all of that and learning and researching, it really started to awaken, you know, my Jewish heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never been to the the synagogue there. I ended up going in there and sitting there. And even though I speak very little German, um, and no Hebrew, I sat there and it was very, very powerful because of what the people who were there now had to Mm -hmm. go through just to be able to worship in, in Germany and around the world.
0: Wow. That's that. Yeah. I think you told me that the synagogue there is, uh, there's an armed guard that you have to check in or something like that.
1: So to get into the synagogue, again, I'll send you some video to get into the synagogue. First, if there's a service or an event going on there, there is a German policeman, police person, officer standing there with a submachine gun and his finger, you know, close to close to it. Mm -hmm. His his finger is is close to the trigger. And I say, hello, you keep walking. And they have a, a set of reinforced doors that have to open you walk in those doors have to shut behind you and you have to get approved by the person behind bulletproof glass to have the other set of reinforced steel and wood reinforced doors open up so you're like in this wow. capsule and that's how you know it's it's there's a lot of security and protection there but it's a really strange thing as a jewish person i almost yeah. feel safer in germany that I do in a lot of other areas around the world, including the U.S.
0: Wow, that's crazy! So the, the, you, you know, you, you spend your time walking around this town and being constantly reminded. What made you want to make a short film? A and then B. What goes into a short film? Because I know you. You're 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 not a filmmaker, and you put a lot of time and well, now you are, but you put a lot of time, energy, uh, sweat, and tears into this thing. Walk me through the process of just why and then how how do you make a short film? Like I have no idea.
1: So the first step to this was I wanted, yes, I wanted to get into documentary filmmaking Mm -hmm. because of all the stories that I saw. Um, I've always loved film, but it was, you know, just, I always loved making little, you know, fun videos and stuff, but now it was it definitely developed into more of a passion and but what goes into it, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, this, we, we made a feature film as well. That's coming mm-hmm. out next year. It's called everything's kosher. And, you know, it started out as a small project with one camera and then quickly, you know, blossomed into two cameras. And then if you're going to have two cameras, you need a sound guy. And if you're going to have a sound guy, then you need some better lighting people. Yeah. And if you need that, you need production assistance to help, you know, carry stuff around and move. So it's been a definitely a learning process, um, but it's, yeah, it's like owning a business. It's literally yeah. being a producer is like owning a business. And I realized, you know, I didn't want to learn every little intimate technical detail about the cameras and the mm-hmm. sound and the lighting that doesn't interest me. Producing is like, it's like being the CEO of yeah. a little business and yeah. um, you have to set everything up. You have to manage the people. You have to make sure they're fed, um, following the rules, all that stuff so it's but it's you know it's be coming from an entrepreneurial world it's also you know i kind of knew what to do you know managing right, people so so that.
0: your entrepreneurial like what were the lessons that you were able to take as a business owner and apply them to uh to 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 the movie making
1: process <laughs> you need <laughs> so applying <laughs> things to, from from an entrepreneur going to you know the movie making business um, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of creative people, right? So creative people aren't always the best business people. Um, as I knew working with photographers over the years, Mm. but, um, yeah, that's where my CEO instincts kind of kicked in and, you know, we got to set up a budget and you got to follow that budget and you have to know, and, you know, again, a budget is just really a plan and, you know, um, but, but it was also like a, it's also a, you know, I had a, what's the word? Um, you know, it was like trial by by fire. Is that the term? You know, yeah, we'll go with the, it. The, the the guy who got the guy who got me and said, oh, and you know, insurance will be about a thousand dollars. Great, put that in the budget. Well, right. when the time comes, well, there's an overseas overseas um, an overseas production with people coming from the U.S. and traveling back and forth a few times. Oh, that insurance isn't a thousand dollars. It's nine thousand dollars. Right. And for the crew to get their um, camera gear in and out of countries, there's something called a carnet. So that's like a it allows you to bring equipment in and out. So there's a lot of rules I had to learn very quickly. Uh, but again, it's as, as an entrepreneur, you're adapt, you're constantly adapting. You're constantly
0: adapting, yeah.
1: And, and you don't fall under pressure.
0: You just adapt, pivot, and go. And and that's that's the lessons that you learn in business that you're going to learn anywhere else.
1: Exactly. And if you don't, you you're going to go broke. You know, but at the same, like, like, like in movie making, hmm, um, like each day is like a special project. You start right. the day, you know, your, you know, your plan, you know, it might go a little sideways, but you know, by the end of the day, you have to get this shot, this shot, and this shot and, and make it all work. So yeah. you plan your day, hope it all works out, but yes, you absolutely have to adapt and pivot like that.
0: Now, if, if you could go back in time and, lessons learned that you could apply to the start of this process, what would you take back with you? (laughs) Other than the insurance uh, policies that you need to fly internationally with equipment.
1: Okay. Yeah. So going back again, it's, you know, trial by error and you really have to have a great team. Yeah. You have to be comfortable with the people you're working with, you know, and this is, you know, I'm I'm almost at the level of Spielberg um, and Scorsese. I'm, you know, I'm not at the level of, Scorsese, you know, Spielberg or Scorsese, but there's a reason I, you know, you always see, oh, they work with the same people, right? Yeah, sure. You know, look at, look at our, our favorite films, Goodfellas, uh, The Godfather. Same it's cast of the characters, same right. Exactly. That's what they, you know, they bring the same cast because they know what they can get out of those people. So it's right. your you quickly have to, you have your A players and you keep them. Your C players, get rid of them because they can bring down the whole production just like they can, you know, affect and poison your business.
0: This episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative, Miami's premier digital marketing agency. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com to learn more. You've been accepted and won awards in a bunch of film festivals. How has the movie been received? And then how has the movie specifically in the Jewish community been received?
1: Yeah, good question. So when I started the whole process, you know, this stuff with Israel or the tragedies in Israel in the Middle East yeah. weren't weren't happening, and the film was being very well received. It's very powerful. It's a very personal story, but it shows what it's like for a Jewish person to live, you know, in Germany, and the the Jewish community is very positive about it. It's you know, it, look, it deals with a very difficult topic. Sure, um, you know, showing images of of Nazis and and concentration camps to Jewish people is very it's very sensitive, mm-hmm. but they get by the end. It shows my journey from not knowing anything to being much more passionate about the Jewish, my Jewish heritage and being really proud of it. So mm-hmm. they really are, are taking it well.
0: Good. Um, walk me through the film festival scene. So you're an amateur uh, or you were an amateur filmmaker. What What is that scene like? I went with you to Soho, uh, the Soho Film Festival. And one of the big takeaways for me is, you know they brought all the short film uh, producers on stage. You're there. And you were the only one who had never had anything to do with the arts, filmmaking, acting, right. nothing. Right. Uh, and, right. and in my opinion, not because you're my friend, yours was every bit as good, if not better, than that. Talk to me about the film festivals. How, how do you get in? What is that like? Like, I had no idea. I mean, you you taught me a little bit, but I really had no idea what, what that world was all about.
1: Yeah, the the, the film festival circuit is very interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, to get into the top tier, you know, your Sundances, your Tribeca's, your TIFFs, it's really hard. Like you need to be an established person with a very good, you know, a a top cast. You need PR people, um, all that stuff. Say, I I learned about sales agents and distributors and all this stuff. And it's very easy to apply, but there's also, you got to be careful. There's a lot of, you know, shysters out there. Okay. Like for instance, for instance. In the same day, I got into the Dubai International Film Festival and the Vienna-Austria International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Well, in doing further research, they're both online festivals. Okay. So I got the same candy. So it's one, it, you know, it's some guy. It's a big corporation. Is, it's brilliant. Some guy right. or, or some, some, some company who says, oh, we're going to have a, a, quote, international film festival in every major city around the world. But it's it's just an online festival, and it's just a money grab. You know, they're just trying to yeah. get people to apply, and you get the laurels, and it makes you know it's interesting. But the real good, what I found was the real good ones are the ones that are in person with a live event. Those yes. those are positive. You know, they're, and I've literally... I'd
0: encourage any of the listeners to go to a film festival if you've never been. You and I, this wasn't our first. Um, it's a lot of fun. The energy, there's a creative vibe. Um, you know, and and these are movies that. You know, don't get a big audience, but you'll see the actors and the directors and they'll do one-on-one talks and and you actually learn a lot, whether you like the arts or even business. And it's, it's a cool business. I mean, it's, it's a a lot of labor of love in it because, you know, uh, especially documentaries don't make a whole lot of money, but it's really, really cool. It's, it's, it's a good way to spend a weekend, um, you know, just sort of exploring different topics. Uh, I, I know I, I truly enjoyed it.
1: Look, I've learned a lot about, about the film industry. Yeah, and sure. for me as a look, it is next to impossible to make money in the film industry with documentaries at this point. The right. golden age was, you know, in the last 10 years with Netflix, you know, spending big money, that's gone away. When I started going to the film festivals and also the film markets, there's a big mm-hmm. one in Santa Monica where where distributors are purchasing. There, I went to a one last year in Berlin. And the difference is um to to get meetings with these distributors, you need a sales agent. Right. To need a, to get a sales agent, you need to have a film. So it's 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 pretty difficult. And once you so and and then the money, you know, when you talk about the, the financial side of making films, yeah, or, or sorry, when you talk about the financial side of distributing a film and making some money back, yeah, if you have a sales agent, they're gonna take 10, 15%. If you have a distributor, they're gonna take 50% okay and you got to pay for all these. So the the you have to bring in you know you have to make a lot of money to for it to trickle down to yourself. So yeah. I went with a very my whole goal from the beginning, look, I knew my films you know were not Top Gun 2 and I was not uh, you know, I'm no Tom Cruise. yeah. So I always wanted to go with a non-traditional distribution model, right And with my films going after a Jewish audience, I thought, great. I just have to reach out to, you know, the Jewish world. So we did, we did like almost like guerrilla marketing. So we, we, I did a, a, I made a beautiful mailer and sent it out to, um, 1200 synagogues and JCCs around the country. So, and, and, and getting them to call and ask, you know, try to do a screening at their, at their facility. So the money side of the business is, it was definitely, it's definitely been a learning process. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, definitely not easy unless you have a very targeted audience that you can go, you know, go try and attract.
0: You have a big event tonight. Didn't you tell me like a hundred people are going or something? What do you have 100, going
1: on today? No, no. Last week, it's, so we're doing a, we're doing a major showing um, in Highland Park, Illinois tonight. Uh-huh. We had, last week it was a hundred people. Today, okay. because of, you know, the news of the world and promotion sure. and marketing, we've, we're going to have 180 people there.
0: Are you kidding so, me?
1: the place is packed um i've never shown it to that many people you know in person at once so it's it's very exciting and i have tons of friends and family coming are i think you know rich levy he's going to be there yeah
0: yeah 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 now so you you um are you going to do a q and a oh yeah yeah
1: i have a whole i have a whole i have a whole presentation planned uh and it's 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 really good it talks about you know i'm going to show the walk i'm going to show the trailer for everything's kosher and we're going to, you know, I'm going to dig into what got me there, what I yeah. see every day. And and really, it's a, it's a very interesting story.
0: Yeah, You didn't do your walks alone. You had a little furry friend that would walk every day with you through your town and and experience the same thing that you did. How's he doing?
1: <sighs> yeah. I mean, that was why it was called The Walk, because I, literally it was I would walk my dog through the city and uh, the things that we would see, you know. Hamilton went with me to Austria. I walked him through this town every day for five years. And yeah, after we made the film and literally just a month ago, Hammy passed on, Hammy, Hammy passed over the, the dog rainbow oh, and man. it was time for him to, to go. And it's been, thanks. It's been uh, yeah, been pretty devastating. And I've just, you know, been tra- it's like, you know, it's like losing a family member. Yeah. And man. I've been trying to stay, I've been staying very busy, which is good. But the worst is when I, you know, just am, I go home and I still like I'll be making dinner and make a loud noise and think, oh, you know, I don't want to bother Hammy. And, you know, and he's not there. So it's yeah. been yeah, it's been devastating. But, you know, this is kind of a, also a tribute to him as well.
0: Yeah. He's, he's looking above. He's he's going to see all your success from this movie and, and his uh, one time on film. So it'll be great.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's done. may Hammy rest in peace. So what's the next step with the walk? What do you do with it? So again, it's in the Film Festival circuit right now. Um, it's doing very well. and but the bigger project here is, you know I have this I have this these encyclopedias of all of these camps. Mm-hmm. And again, no, hardly anyone in the US and around the world knows about them. So we're working on a series of these we're working on a series of these hidden subcamps of World War II. So we're looking for we're looking for to get it picked up uh, as a series, and you know at first it's going to live on YouTube possibly, yeah. but there is a never ending supply there is a never ending supply of stories that we could do about yeah. this. So that's the next step for the walk is is getting the series developed, and I have you know filmmakers who I really like working with, um, uh, cinematographers and sound people that I'm, I'm, that are on my team now mm-hmm. and they're going to be helping me with that. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Very cool. All
1: right. Where can people find out about,
0: um, uh, the, the, the movie and information about the walk? And then obviously you, you have another movie coming out later this year.
1: I set up a nonprofit organization for my films. All my films are self-funded and mm-hmm. it's called the visual history initiative. And there's a link. I'll send you a link to that. And okay. people can go watch the trailers to my films um, if they want to donate, you know, feel free to help me make more of these films. We have about, gosh, uh, eight different of these hidden subcamps that we're doing a whole series on and, it, wow. and it's pretty fascinating. So if they want to see that, check out our website and, um, they'll get a good feel for what we have coming up.
0: Very good. Before I let you go, I got some questions I got to ask a couple rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. All right. All right. There's a rumor going around that the walk, your movie, which you star in, is going to become a one-man play. Is this true? It's a possibility. <laughs> My follow-up question is: Who will play you in the walk? There's a couple. There's a couple <sighs> names being floated. You know, or will you be Cass- the
1: one that does the one-man play. No, 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 no. We have to get someone much better uh, than me. Look, you know me, <laughs> Eric Roberts. I don't. Sh- I don't shy away from a stage. I'd be happy to do it, but David I, you, you know, I made great. a commitment. I made a commitment to my daughter, so I have to stay in Germany most of the time to be with her. So okay, so so
0: so we, we will miss you in the one man play, but I look forward to the one man play coming to uh, uh, theater, Broadway, maybe maybe in the near future.
1: Yeah, but but in the meantime, you, I have I have the walk online. I have a whole presentation that people can watch. Your your you know trusted listeners and and viewers. So I'm excited for them to to check it out.
0: All right, you mentioned one of the things that you miss most uh, about the U.S. is the food. So I'm going to give you three yeah. foods. You can only pick one, okay? To be to 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 have. You can have it every day, whatever. Ready? Matzo ball soup, some good bagels, or a pastrami sandwich.
1: Pastrami, pastrami sandwich. But pastrami you left all out, the way. You left out pastrami, but you left out skirt steak. You, you no, love skirt I go steak. into the... I know that. It... <laughs> you know me. I love skirt <laughs> steak continental breakfast and limos.
0: Limels come breakfast and, and, uh, and skirt steak. Those are, your, those so are your, you. And you champagne. In, you like champagne.
1: Schiff, eh, Schiff. So <laughs> you walk into what's called the Metzgerai. Metzgerai, okay. I'll teach you a little German. Metzgerai means butcher. <laughs> so I walk into the Metzgerai and I ask for a skirt steak. And the 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 the, the hearty Bavarian ladies look at me with a look of puzzle. They have no idea what a skirt steak is. They don't have it in Germany. So that was one of the things that made me do my feature movie, Everything's Kosher, was because I couldn't find a skirt steak anywhere. So I said, I got to attempt to open up a Jewish deli here. So skirt steaks are number one on my list.
0: Please tell me you're going to the premiere tonight in a limo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please do I, it. I, I, I said to my sister who's coming with me, I said, I said, we should get a limo to drive to this tonight. We are going to, we're, I, I you it know, we set the wrong tone, it. but,
0: but, but you need to do it.
1: We, we, you know, we're going to take a, 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 a black car Uber, uh, extended, uh, <laughs> we're going to take a, we're going to take a black car Uber up there to, you know, so I can, I can rest and, you know, along the way. All right. You
0: can meet any, any Jewish person in history. Who would it be and why?
1: That's a really good question that I haven't thought about before. Albert Einstein.
0: Albert Einstein. Okay, I like it. I I, w- I would, would like- love to know what you would be talking to Albert Einstein about but that, that's a great one. We got a, We got, got a lot to, lot to talk about. We got a, yeah, lot
1: got a lot to discuss. A lot,
0: a lot of people don't know that you character. love uh, physics. All right. So, um who's the funniest Jewish comedian? I'm going to give you a couple names just to sort of think through. Mel Brooks. Jerry Seinfeld, Don Rickles. Be, be, uh, go, go with those three. You get to pick
1: one. I mean, I could watch Don Rickles all day long. I could that watch Don Rickles hilarious. all the time. I mean, you know, all they're, they're all good, but Don Rickles is
0: just – he's a classic. You're with me. One of my highlights at a JUF event a couple years before he died, uh, I saw him. And, man, he was old. He was, I don't know, 90 years old. And, man, he still killed it. Like, he was hilarious he ripped sure. on people in the audience. Yeah, the, the guy's just one, a one of one. Um, one of my all-time uh, yeah, fa- favorite. All right. Uh, this one is, is a little different. You stay at someone's house and you pee in their bed. Do you sneak out or do you
1: tell them in the morning that you peed in their bed? You bring a glass of water with you. <laughs> you dump it on the bed and then you say, oh, sorry, I spilled water. And then you strip the bed. You take everything off and then you walk out the door and you never come back.
0: All right. I know you're a big Laverne and Shirley fan. Who do you like better, Lenny or Squiggy? Squiggy.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. You get, it, 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 keeping in line with the limos. I mean, with the limos. Yeah. Right. You, you, uh, rest of your life, you get a masseuse, a chef, or a chauffeur. Who do you pick? A chauffeur. A chauffeur. Okay. One last one. Yes. I love cooking. I love cooking, yeah.
1: but if someone drive me around every day, perfect.
0: It'd be great. It'd be great. All right. So, you're tall, you got all your hair, now you're a movie producer. Your J date must be blowing up. How is dating life going from a young successful man in the movie
1: business? I it, it's got to be on fire. Look, when I was in <laughs> when I was in when I was in New York, that I, I wish I was living in New York. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> Jewish women there looking for a nice tall Jewish guy like me. Now, in the middle of Bavaria, Germany, <laughs> my dating life is challenging. Okay? Because, You're not exotic there? Uh, more like kryptonite. <laughs> no. It's it's they don't speak, you know, like people, you know, my age, you know, yeah. people, young people in my age, um they, you know, they learned English a long time ago. Sure. In school, these Germans. So a lot of times – look, a lot of people there speak English, but they don't feel comfortable with it. So sure. unless someone speaks really good English, it's it's really difficult. So, it's yeah, killer. dating life has been has been challenging, but I'm not giving up. Adam, why don't you tell me about this new challenge you have? You know, over the events of the past few weeks, um, I'm sitting there with my daughter in Germany, and I'm playing the song Hava Nagila. She loves to dance around to it. And I had this – you know, and I felt – the joy that she was experiencing and the I love hearing that song. It's a special, you know, celebration song. And I know, you know, we're not looking to glorify celebrating right now, but it's more about giving Jewish people a little outlet for, you know, a little bit of relief and a little bit of sure. a little bit of fun in, in trying times. So we're creating the Hava Nagila Challenge. We created a really fun, you know, cute video for it. And we're going to start promoting it. And what I'm what I want is people around the world, Jewish and non-Jewish, to play the song, dance, record yourself, tag us with uh, the Habanagila Challenge, and we are going to feature the best of the best at the end of one of my movies. Very cool. Can't wait to check it out.
0: Before I let you go, again, where can people find out about it? Um, how, how can they view it, uh, the, the walk, and then obviously later next, uh, later in the year or next year, uh, your your feature film?
1: So again, the, the easiest way to get to all of our films go to visualhistoryinitiative.org. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you put a link here and you'll find all of the trailers to all of our stuff um, reserve you know there'll be links to reserve tickets to our, our to our you know next red carpet events. yeah and we're look, really looking forward to it. So again the next big film is the next big film is coming out in the spring. Um, you have a little cameo in it. thank you very much. Wait. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting.
0: Well, my man, I'm proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. These stories are so, so important. I'm glad that you're out there fighting the good fight. And, um, and especially with everything going on in the world, these stories need to be told. We need to be reminded. Um, and you do beautiful work. I mean, for a guy who just picked up filmmaking, I've seen, uh, you know, both your films highly recommended to the audience. Uh, it's just the, the, the quality is very, very good. And the storytelling is, is excellent. So, uh, congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, everyone listening, definitely check it out. Uh, I think you're going to watch, um, you can watch it uh, on, on the links in the show, uh, the walk. Thank you for your time today, my man. Take care, amigo. Thank you,
1: Dan. I appreciate it. And, uh, I wish you were here to come tonight. So
0: awesome, man. We'd take a limousine. <laughs>